Church on a Rock? Amen. My name is Rashad. I am one of the pastors, the cool pastor, the black pastor, <laughs> the pastor that has hair on his head, the, all that good stuff right there. Um, we do that good morning, uh, not because of any gimmicks or anything like that. We simply want to know that you are here and that you're engaged and that you're ready for the word of God, uh, for the power of God to speak through you, to you through his message. So we're going to do that one more time. Once again, it's Rashad, not Rashard, not Rashid, not Ratchet. It's Rashad, okay? Did I say Ratchet? I didn't mean to say that. I didn't mean to say that one. All right. You got your, okay. Good morning, Church on the Rock. Amen. All right. I feel it. I feel it. All right. So we are on a, for those of you who are first-time guests, we thank you. Uh, we're on a five-year journey through the book of Romans. Yes, five years. And we are almost three months in, and we are on verse four. So that is just, <laughs> yay, right? Um, we've been walking through this uh, introduction of Paul in this letter. And we've just been trying to piece together some basic foundational beliefs regarding the gospel of God. We call this series NEWS, which stands for Necessary Evidence We See. We're just looking for the things that are, are required in regards to the gospel of God. We started out in verse 2, where we talked about God's promises through his prophets in his pages. Give me verse 2 real quick. Uh, verse 2. Uh, Paul says he was set apart for the gospel, which God promised beforehand through his prophets in his holy scriptures, which would be his pages. We then took a pause and looked at the people of God to make sure we knew what was required of us to show necessary evidence of being letters of God, as we called it in that, in that moment out of 2 Corinthians. But then we came back to verse 3 last week, and in verse 3, we got to the concerning his son part. We took the entire sermon and we looked through the, all 39 books of the Old Testament and we saw Jesus in each book. I just chose one verse and said there's many other verses there, but we saw Jesus in each book of the Old Testament to show that all of those promises from those prophets in those pages are about this person, Jesus Christ, and we saw that he was the son of David then too. So this week, we're going to close out the series finally, part six, right? And Romans 1, 4, it says this about Jesus. Jesus was also, he, it was he who was declared the son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead, according to the spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ our Lord. So before we get started, I want to tell you up front, this is one of the most debated verses in the book of Romans. So I'm going to give you um, the debates themselves, like the different views that, that are there, because I always want you to know what you believe, all right? So as a pastor, you're giving me spiritual authority to oversee and to care for you, but I will not tell you or make you believe anything. I will push you to open up your own Bible, do your own study, and come to your own conclusions so that you can't blame me when you believe something erroneous, all right? Now look, um, so what, what happens is it may sound a little bit scattered as I'm giving you both views, but I just want you to understand that there's more, that people believe things more than just what I preach to you on a Sunday. So when you're reading a commentary or you're talking to a friend about it, they may come with a different approach. And I want you to be ready for that approach so that you can respond. And also something that will push you to open up your Bibles on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday as well. Because if you're just getting it from me, then you're not really letting God do what he could do if you just give him all of you and your attention in these verses. So we'll talk about the differences, but then I will tell you which way I lean, and then I'll tell you why none of it really matters in terms of, like, people take these things and divide churches over them. It's not necessary. It's so not necessary. But we'll talk about all of that while we're talking about this. So uh, we're going to start off. My first point is that the resurrection of Christ from the dead displayed his Designation, his designated position, his designated position. That's going to be my first point. So we're going to get into the scripture. Romans 1.4. I want you to see this. It says, Jesus is uh, he who was declared the son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead. Now, here's the thing. 
the, the argument here is the word declared. They're, they're, they're trying to find out. The argument is, is the word declared or is it designated? Some of your uh, Bibles may say designated. Does anybody say designated show of hands? Oh, you're probably not even opening your Bibles, right? We've got to get back to the opening just the book. Well, forget it. All right. <laughs> All right. But some, some, some translations will say designated. Some will say declared. My favorite translation, the NASB says declared. And I actually disagree with it. To be honest with you, I disagree with it. So I'm being honest here and transparent. But the, the word here is horizo. It's where we get our word horizon from, right? So when you see the horizon, you see like You'll say the sky meets the earth right here, and that line that separates them is the horizon. Or like last night when I was, when I was DJing, uh, somebody requested a song that I had never heard of, and then she made the smart remark and said, you need to broaden your horizons past the DJ. I was like, whatever, girl, get on somewhere. But um, so, so what she was saying is you have this, this like circle of music you enjoy, and this is outside of your horizon, outside of your set-apart music. So you need to broaden your horizons, right? So this, that's where we get the word horizo from, or our word horizon comes from the word horizo. So then I, had to, I took that and said, okay, to determine if this is declared or designated, I got to go look at the English words to figure out which one matches the Greek word. Now, I'm getting a little geeky on you here. Excuse me, I have really fun, like I was 30 hours in this thing. But declared in the English means to, to literally clarify, right? Or to make known, to announce, um, to interpret something, to, to like bring it to, to, to bring it to light. But the word designate means to mark out or to separate, to appoint somebody, right? So this this is actually speaking on the designation of Christ as the Son of God, not the declaration. Both work. Don't get me wrong. The, the, the resurrection did declare Christ the Son of God. It didn't make an announcement like, look, he came back from the grave. He must be the Son of God, right? It did announce it. But in its text, and we want to be faithful to what Paul was writing, it designated him. It appointed, set him aside. It's like when you use the bold and you underline and you highlight and you italicize something when you're typing. Y'all know like when I'm sending out my text messages, I know I get on y'all nerves. But when I, when I put all caps on like every other word because that's just how I type, like I'm, I'm emphasizing it. I'm marking it out. I'm pointing it out. So... This designate, the resurrection designated his position. And it's a, it's a key word that you want to really make sure that that's what you're seeing because um, somebody designated always was even before the resurrection, right? So in verse 3, look at verse 3 real quick. Verse 3, it says this. It says, concerning his son who was born of a descendant of David according to the flesh. That word, like the who was born part, that literally means that he came to be. So show like Jesus was not always the son of David, right? He came to be the son of David when he was born. That's when he became flesh. Remember, he was God and then he emptied himself and wrapped himself in flesh and, and, and he became the son of David. Does that, everybody got me there. I'm, just, I'm trying to make sure I'm, everybody just nod your heads. All right. No, see, my mama's church, they'd be like, amen, pastor, but y'all just nod your heads. Okay, I get it. All right. All right. So, so, but look, but look at this, but look at this. All right, in verse 4, okay, go back to verse 4. He was designated the Son of God with power. He was always the Son of God. Always. He didn't become the Son of God because of the resurrection. He already was the Son of God. You see that? John 1.1, give me John 1.1. In John 1.1, it says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word is Jesus, Okay. And the word was with God. And look at this. And the word was God. That was his designation in the beginning. He was God. He was with God. He was in the beginning. before. So he didn't, the resurrection didn't make him the son of God. He already was. Versus John 1, 14, where we see the word became flesh. The word came to be flesh. So he wasn't always flesh. He wasn't always Jesus in the flesh form. He came to be that. He became that. So there's the difference in, in, in the flesh versus the spirit. And there's the difference in terms of 
um, his designation versus what he became to be. So it's kind of like this. Back in the day, long before my pastoring days, I used to drink a lot, like a whole lot. And what would happen is about 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock, I'd call somebody up like, Adam, if you was one of my boys, I'd be like, Adam, you are my designated Ah, so y'all use, uh-huh, you just told on all yourselves, look at that, nah. So, so what would happen is, before anything had actually taken place, because we foresaw the problems we was going to get ourselves into, uh, we appointed or designated somebody who would have to make choices throughout the night to keep that designation so they could drive us home safely at the end of the night. Can you see how that reflects with Jesus Christ? He was the designated driver for our spiritual filthiness, right? In the same way, uh, Jesus was designated the Son of God. He was in the beginning, long before the resurrection, but he had to live a sinless life. And he, he, you know, he had to come in flesh, live this sinless life, die on the cross, and be raised from the, from the grave to be the designated driver for our spirituality. Does that make sense? Does that add up for you right there? Um, in the same way, me, Dave, Charles, is Tyson in here anywhere? Tyson, I don't see Ron. Ron ain't in here anywhere. Okay, Ron, all right, Ron Crew, he had to drive in the middle of the night. But, but, but when Charles, we went on this uh, trip this past week to North Carolina for this Hungry Heroes initiative. We're going to be trying to kick off a little later on this year. But um, when Charles approached me, he said, hey, man, you, you, you down to go to North Carolina with, with me and a couple of the fellas, man, and, you know, look to see if this, we can get this ministry rolling. I was like, yeah, that's cool, as long as somebody's driving. Because y'all know me, I don't like driving out the state. I don't like driving in mountains. I don't like driving in the dark. I don't like driving, period, right? So I told Charles, didn't I? I said, are you driving, right? And, and this, was, this was back in, like, April, May, you know, June. So... All, he was designated back then, even though he didn't actually do the driving until this past week. But if he wouldn't have drove, if he wouldn't, have, if he would have made me drive, well, I, I wouldn't have went. First of all, first, but but it's it's him that he actually, you know, him accomplishing that, him actually doing the driving is what made him the actual designated driver. So in the same way, Christ being raised from the dead. Christ being resurrected from the dead, he is the, his designated position, he is the son of God. And, and it's, it's because of this that we take any regular word, and when we refer to Christ with that regular word, we capitalize the first letter, right? So like, um, there's a rock, and then there's Christ, the rock, right? There's, there's a word, and then there's Christ, the word, and you capitalize the W to designate that it's Jesus Christ you're talking about, right? You're like, oh, there's a seat, and then there's Christ, my seat. Like, you can just do it about anything, right? There's water, and then Christ, my water. Like, I'm just naming stuff, but no, I ain't going to go that far. All right, so, but, but anything, you take anything, and you refer to Christ, and you automatically designate it by doing what? By, by capitalizing that and setting it apart, marking it out. So that's why I choose in Romans 1-4 to say that the resurrection designated the Son of God. It designated. It was his designated position. It didn't declare, although it, it does, but in that text, and we want to be faithful to what the original audience would have saw when they read it, they would have seen that as, wow, the resurrection set him apart, pointed him out as Jesus Christ, the Savior. And I want you to see that as well, because it, if, if Christ isn't the Son of God, and if he wasn't raised from the dead, then you're wasting your time here this morning. It's that simple. Like, you might as well go beat the traffic to lunch <laughs> rather than be here right now. If you remove the resurrection, you remove all hope of anything that we believe in. It's, it's that simple. And so, so his designated position, what was that position? Son of God. Some of us are, are new to a lot of this. What this, I've gotten text messages. What does son of God mean? Like, how can Jesus be God but be called the son of God? But this is why we have to pay attention to the cultural context. They knew in that culture, in that context, that to say you were the son of God was to say you were God. Let's look at a couple of scriptures. Give me John. Give me John. Uh, yes, five. 
Is that 18? Or is that, yes, it's 18. Great. It says, for this reason, therefore, the Jews were seeking all the more to kill Jesus because he not only was breaking the Sabbath, but also was calling God his own father, comma, making himself equal with God. So to say that you were the son of God was to say that you were God in its context. Give me the next verse. In the next verse we see in John 19, 7, the Jews answered him, we have a law, and by that law, he, Jesus, ought to die because he made himself out to be the son of God. Why would you kill somebody for saying they were the son of God? If, especially like if we're like we're children of God, right? So I'm a son of God, you're a daughter of God, blah, blah. Why would they kill somebody, Jesus, for saying he's the son of God? Because in its context, to say you were the son of God was to say that you were God. So when people say, hey, Rashad, Jesus never called himself God in the Bible, so I don't believe he's God. Okay, he called himself the son of God. They wanted to kill him because he called himself the son of God. Why? Because he's calling himself God by doing that. The Leviticus, the Leviticus law said this, you shall speak to the sons of Israel saying, if anyone curses his God, then he will bear his sin. Next verse. And moreover, the one who blasphemes the name of the Lord so sure, uh, shall, shall surely woo, be put to death. All the congregation shall certainly stone him. You see that? That's why they wanted to stone him, because it was the law in Leviticus that if anybody blasphemes the name, acts like they're God, calls themselves God, you stone them. So the Pharisees were doing what they thought was right because they didn't believe that he was the son of God or God himself. It was blasphemy. So Jesus is calling himself God. When people try to attack you with that and say Jesus never called himself God, yes, he did. Yes, he did. He absolutely did. And this is how you can refute that argument right here. So um, once again, like, like his, the resurrection uh, showed or displayed his designated position as the son of God. It showed that he himself was God. Moving forward, my next point. The resurrection of Christ from the dead showed or displayed his dunamis power. Dunamis is the Greek word for power that is used in this text. It's where we get our word dynamite from, like kaboom, right? Like, that didn't sound too dynamic, did it? All right. Now, <laughs> kaboom. <laughs> I've, been, I've been playing with the kids. Okay, so, so uh, going back to our verse, look at this. So this is another part that is very argued. Uh, who was declared the son of God with power, but some people say that this should actually read that he was declared or that he was powerfully declared the son of God. People split churches over this, okay? Like, like people actually would be like, oh, you think Romans 1-4 says that uh, he was powerfully declared? Well, it's actually, he was declared with power. I'm going to another church. Like, really? Like, really? O over that? But this is, this is what we do. And, and in that moment, <laughs> you're missing the whole point of the gospel. Whether he was powerfully declared with the resurrection, which the resurrection, I mean, what else declares that he's the son of God more, more powerfully than the resurrection, or whether he was declared the son of God with power because of the resurrection, doesn't matter on, and to the point of splitting the church and going and starting a whole new denomination and all these things over that one word. I understand like behind closed doors having some back and forth, but to just split, that's why people don't come into church now. They're like, y'all don't know what you believe, you know? So um, looking at this, me, myself, I believe it's there. He was designated the son of God with power. Why? Because he's contrasting Jesus the man and Jesus the deity. And when you look at 2 Corinthians 13, you'll see something like this right here. In 2 Corinthians 13, give me that, boom. For indeed he was crucified, who? Jesus Christ, because of what? Weakness. Yet he lives because of the power of God. For we also are weak in him, yet we will live with him because of the dunamis, power of God. Um, this is where I, I want to pause and just parenthetically call everybody in here out real quick, all right? Um, a lot of us, when I ask, why aren't you serving? Uh, why aren't you giving? Why aren't you in your community making a difference for the, for the kingdom? Why aren't you 
uh, pouring in at your workplace and all that. The, the number one response I get is, I don't know enough Bible, or I, I'm not eloquent enough. I can't do it like you, Rashad. I, I can't speak like you. Uh, it's not my personality. All these excuses of you, 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 you. But that's the point, right? That's the whole point of, of what we're talking about regarding the power of Christ in the, rec- in the resurrection. I know you are flawed and inadequate and insecure and all these other excuses you have for not sharing the gospel, serving, giving. I, I get that. That's the point. It's a God thing. It's the dunamis power of God working inside of you. Do you understand that? It shows you right there when it says Christ was weak in the flesh. He thirsted. He was hungry. He had to sleep. He was weary. He died. But the dunamis power, the power of God inside of him overcame death, overcame thirst, overcame weariness, overcame any flaw of a human being. So if you believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've been promised that dunamis power to dwell inside of you. What's your excuse for not serving? Like, parents, help me out. Help me out. When we, did the, when we did the prayer walk, we have over 100 plus names of children who are a part of Church on the Rock through you. And we have less than 10 parents, adults, serving. And two of them, I know for sure, have no kids. What, help me. Let me guess. You don't know enough Bible. Okay, let me help you with that. There's a little man named Caden who a couple weeks ago pulled me into that choir room. How old is Caden? Seven, all right, seven. I went into that choir room with Caden. I didn't say nothing about no Greek word. I didn't use no big theological, and he's seven years old. If I say hypostatic union, he's gonna say what, right? Like what, some of y'all say what, right? I got in that room with Caden and he said, I wanna be baptized. I said, why? He said, I don't know. Everybody else getting baptized, going in the water. I want to go in the water too. I was like, you love Jesus? Yup. Are you a sinner? No. Nope. I was like, oh, oh time out. <laughs> time out. <laughs> Let's start from there, right? <laughs> time out. <laughs> I said, hey, have you ever lied to your mama? He said, yup. No, 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 he didn't. No, remember? I said, have you lied to your mama? He said, nope. I said, are you lying? He said, yup. <laughs> Right? Right? You remember that? And and then I said, do you pick on your brother? He said, "Uh uh-huh. I said, is that stuff bad? He said, "Uh uh-huh. I said, that's sin. I said, so are you a sinner? He was like, no. I was like, yes, you are. (laughs) So we went through that one more time, and I explained that those bad things are sin. That's disobeying God. And he grasped it. He was like, oh. I was like, yeah, so you've done a lot of bad things in your seven years of life, right? And he's like, yeah, I, I have. I said, okay, so what if I told you that because of those bad things, you're not going to heaven? And he was like, whoa, right? Like, oh. And I said, yeah, so what are you going to do about that? He's like, I don't know. I said, do you think you're going to do more bad things next week? He said, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. I was like, you think you might lie to mom again? He's like, "Mm -hmm." (laughs) mm-hmm. You pick on your brother again? He's like, "Mm mm-hmm. And I was like, so how how are you going to get to heaven? Caden, like, how how are you going to get to heaven to be with Jesus? I How are you going to get to heaven? And he said, I don't know. I said, that's what Jesus did. And he's like, like like, he's like, tell me more. Like, you know, here's the big, like, climax. And and I said, Jesus died so that all the bad things you've done, all the bad things you're doing because you just lied to me, (laughs) and the bad things you think you might do in a week, he, he died for that. He actually died to cover those sins, to wash those sins away so that you could be in heaven with him and all your brothers and sisters that are believers. And he, seven years old, he was like, I want Jesus. What, what, what did I do that you can't do? In, in, that, in that meeting, in that room, what did I do that nobody in here who calls themselves a believer cannot do? Regardless of your personality, regardless of your Bible knowledge, if you're a believer, you know enough to save somebody. And remember this, it's not about you, boo-boo. It's not you. 
It's not your words, your power. It's the gospel. The Bible says it is the, the gospel is the power of God for salvation. Not the power of Rashad, not the power of Charles, not the power of Denise. It's the power of God for salvation. So, so get, get out the way. Like, I, I've been DJing, move, get out the way. <laughs> you know what I mean? Get out the way. Because you're right. If it was all about, if it was all about me, okay, if, if, if this was all about me, first of all, and where's Jason? Because he, he ain't in here. Good. I'm not cute enough. And he would say something right there. <laughs> Fired. <laughs> I'm not eloquent enough. I'm not skinny enough. I'm not white enough. I'm not black enough. I'm not rich enough. I'm not poor enough. I'm not educated enough to win any of you over. I don't have it. You name something you don't like about a person, I guarantee I'll hit on one of them. For each and every one of you. So why you keep coming back through the door? We got, we got guests in here. We got first time guests in here. Praise God. Y'all didn't come here because of me. Y'all definitely didn't come here because of the building. I mean, we ain't even got like up lights. Like it's just plain, right? Right? Sun in your eye, you probably can't even see me right now, can you? <laughs> like, like, like there, there's so much broken about all of this. Let's just keep it real. We don't got the nice building. We don't got the excellent, like, perfect ministries. We might lose a child here and there. I'm just playing. No, we won't. <laughs> I'm not the best preacher. I'm not the most well-spoken preacher. The people that you're sitting next to probably make you uncomfortable at some point. I mean, that's, we do that intentionally. And if you're sitting next to people who make you comfortable, move next week. <laughs> Sit somewhere else. That's the point. But so why come here? Why? It's God moving in you. It's the power of God, not the power of me. Ryan, you, you, you leaving? Because I was about to say something about you. <laughs> can, can, I, can I hold you off real quick? Can you come here? Because I need you to affirm something for me real quick. Come here real quick. Come here. So, so let, me, let me tell you about my, my brother Ryan real quick, like for real. This man loves me, all right? And this is how I know. You see, remember, Adam, when we were doing the uh, illustration of you burning in a house, and I was like, this is what a lot of you are doing. You see your loved one burning in the house, and you won't pull them out, but you keep saying you love them, but you won't pull them out, which is just like not sharing the gospel. I got a better illustration. It came to me this morning. So Ryan, as we grew in our relationship, and he got real, real comfortable with me, and he, he loves me. He actually loves his pastor. I, when I preach, especially at the two services, my breath stink, all right? My breath just flat out stink. Ryan came up to me one day and was like, Pastor, your breath stink. And gave me a mint. Did you not give me a mint? He gave me a mint, right? Like, he, he's like, I don't know what the rest of your church family's doing, just letting you talk with that funky breath. But I love you. And I want to do something about it. Here's a free mint. You can go ahead, Ryan. You go ahead. Look, look at this, though. Look at this. Look at <laughs> Look at this, look at this. Spiritually, a lot of y'all breath stink, or a lot of the people around you breath stink, and you won't say nothing to them about it because you're trying to stay in good relationships with them or be politically correct. But then also, you won't even offer the solution, the breath man, which is, which is free. You know where to get it, you grab it, and you freely, you freely got it, you freely offer it. Hmm, hmm. And, and, and why won't you? Because I don't know enough Bible. You, you don't know, you're a believer, which means at some point you came to the realization that you were going to hell, that, and, and hell is eternal damnation, it's eternal separation from God. It convicted you, it challenged you, it transformed you, it renewed your mind, and it moved you to make a decision to choose Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You did that. I didn't do that. You, you made that choice. So if you really made it, if you sincerely made that choice, then how do you not know enough to, to, to offer that information to the lost? A saved person knows more than a lost person. It's that simple. Look at, look at 1 Corinthians 1.18. Look at this. It says, for the words of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. So those who don't believe 
The cross sounds stupid. I'll, I'll be the first one to tell you that. 2010, you told me that some dude named Jesus died for my sins and was resurrected. That's dumb. That sounds like a bad movie. Like, for real. This is what it sounded like. I believed in heaven. I believed in hell. And I believed everything that I had done in my life was sending me to hell. Then somebody came and wanted to tell me about this dude named Jesus and how he died. And all my sins, oh, shut up. It sounded like foolishness to those who were perishing, those who were going. It sounds like foolishness. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Like, like all of my confidence to get up here and preach is based on that power, that the cross is <laughs> simply the cross. Like, I, I believe in Jesus Christ and, and him crucified, buried, and resurrected. And as a result, I can stand in front of anybody confident in his power, not mine. Next verse, he says, For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the cleverness of the clever I will set aside. He says, Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? You, you guys are, are scared to share God's gospel because of man's wisdom, how man might look at you, what man might think about you. And because man might say that doesn't make sense. How can you lose this or lose that or go through this and go through that and still praise him? Well, the gospel, that's just stupid. That's just dumb. Well, I guess I'm going to be dumb in heaven. Like, <laughs> but this is what you're doing. He says, for since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God, God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. It's a foolish message. I was just talking to Nick in the back room. A king who dies for the citizens of his kingdom? No, no, no. The king sends the people out. You go die to keep my kingdom. I don't die. I'm, I'm the king. I'm, I'm back here in the king. You go. Right? So this is foolishness. It doesn't make any sense. It says, for indeed, Jews ask for signs. Greeks search for wisdom. He goes on. He says, but we preach Christ crucified to Jews a stumbling block and to Gentiles foolishness. But to those who are the called, both the Jews and Greeks, Christ, look at this, Christ, the dunamis of God, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. So I got to ask you this. I got to, I have to ask you this. What are you doing in your life right now, Christian? What are you doing in your life right now that actually requires the power of God? Hmm? Guarantee you, 80, 90%, nothing. What are you doing in your life right now that actually requires your full dependency on God? You see, because the majority of us, the, the majority of us, we, we come into church, sing a little song, pray a little prayer, listen to a little sermon, go to work. We know work, we've been working there long enough, we know it like the back of our hand. We ain't taking no, we're not giving above, not serving above, not, not reaching above. Why? Because we just need to be in our little safe place. Our little, our little check marks. Check the list, check the list, check the list. I, I, I'm a Christian, and I'm doing all these little checklist things, and I'm doing it under my own power. Like, I just got this routine of doing it. What are you doing that actually causes you to depend on God for it? To, every time we walk in here, it's a, it's a dependency on God for people to show up. How many times has it been like, 11 o'clock, and we're like, man, there's like five people here, because <laughs> y'all always late, but anyway, <laughs> going, whatever, but, but, but seriously, in those moments, you guys don't know what it's like 9 o'clock, and, and there's just the worship team, and just the pastors, and, and, and there's nobody here, and we're like, Father, if, if you don't bring anybody through the door, there's nothing we can do. It, it, it's full dependence on God. No Facebook post is going to make people come. I, I, I can't go and stalk people and make them get in, get in the car. You, you know, it don't, it don't work that way. So, so every time we open these doors, we're trying to give you an example of what it looks like to fully depend on God. I've told you, I'm, I'm openly telling you, we're struggling in the serving area, in the giving area. 
I don't even know how we continue to open doors. I don't know how I'm still getting paid. I don't know how we have anybody serving in the kids' ministry or, or in any of the other ministries because they're doing it week after week after week. What? They're not getting paid. It's all volunteer, sacrificial volunteering week after week. Why do they keep doing it? They could say, I quit at any given time. They don't owe me nothing. It's the power of God moving inside of them. It's the power of God moving inside of them. So, so what are you doing that requires the power of God to move inside of you? Let's start, okay, everybody a little hurt about that. Okay, let's, let's, start in your, let's start in your basic life. Let's start in your basic life. Name that person you will not forgive. Name that person who's betrayed you. Name that person who has hurt you. Name it in your mind right now. Name it in your mind right now. Who's that person who you're like, mm-mm, Shad, nope, I, I can't. You are right, but the power of God can. The power of God can. I, I, I know what she said about you. All right, time out, time out. Y'all want to talk about a resurrection. We have killed that cricket twice. Amanda, you killed it last night. Brent, y'all killed it this morning. I think he's still, I, I, call him Christ the cricket, my goodness. No, but, but look, let's get back serious real quick. Name the person you cannot love. Um, you ever woke up, watched the news, child molester on TV, convicted child molesting? You ever woke up and um, somebody did something? I know how you guys are about pets. Somebody left a dog on purpose in the car, dropped him off on purpose to die and stuff like that. Like, like people you cannot love, people who betrayed you. Like, like name those people in your mind real quick. Okay, okay. God can and does still love them. Okay? He still loves them. So, so for you to forgive that person who's wronged you, that's going to take a dependency on God. Because human nature, I'm not forgiving my cousin who molested me. I'm not doing that. I'm sorry. I'm just going to keep it real. I'm not forgiving him or her at all. But God. But the power of God dwelling inside of me has not only forgiven them, I'm still in communication with them. After knowing how much it it changed my life, how much it broke me, how the things I'm still struggling with today as a result of that, of being molested, how do you forgive him? God. God, The power of God is what forgives. So, before you, you serve at a church or you give abundantly or any of that, how about this? How about you just forgive that person that you won't forgive? Because here's the thing. If there's no evidence of the power of God dwelling inside of you, you need to question your salvation. And you might not want to hear that, but I'm going to keep it 100 with you. You can do all of this, but belief births a behavior. At some point, the fruit of the Spirit has to show. And if the only thing showing in your life is the fruit of the flesh, we got some talking to do. And I'd rather you find out now than later. So the resurrection was, it was proof or, or a display of his, his uh, designated uh, position. It was proof or display of his dunamis power, and finally, it was uh, a display, the resurrection was a display or the necessary evidence we need to see of his divine proof, of his divine proof. You see, in the same way, if Jesus is just doing this and is never resurrected, he's not Lord, he's not Messiah, you have no hope, there's, no, there's nothing after this, and think about what that does. Okay? Like, just step back. I'm, I'm doing a funeral for uh, Tory Davis. Some of you may not know Tory Davis. Tory Davis came to this church in January because her cousin, uh, was, she said literally, was getting on my nerves, inviting me to church. So she came literally to shut her cousin up. She was an agnostic by admission. 
didn't believe anymore, any of those things, and sat right where Leah is right now, sat right there where Leah is. I remember it like yesterday. And I will never forget, she came and she said, I just feel like God, the power of God was tugging at me and I need to come back. I don't know if I believe this stuff yet, but I'm, kinda, I'm gonna come back. And she came back week after week after week after week and then she made a phone call. I will never forget the phone call. And she said, Rashad, I, I need to tell you something. After the message today, I went home and I read it for myself and God spoke to me and I believe in Jesus. I actually believe in Jesus. When can I get baptized? I want to get baptized. And, and we brought her back and, we, and Jason and Tim Wright baptized her and, all, and, and, and she's gone. And, ju- and just like that, Tori's gone. I'm DJing a wedding on Monday, and I get the news while I'm DJing that Tori has passed away. She was found dead in her apartment. How do you get up and preach the next Sunday when time and time and time again I'm losing family members that I love intimately? There's nothing like a spiritual intimacy with somebody. There's nothing like you, if you've never led anybody to Christ, maybe you don't understand what I'm talking about, but there's nothing like a spiritual intimacy with somebody. And time and time again, it's like the Lord is just bringing loved ones home over and over, and we're supposed to be a young church. This is, we're not the old church who's supposed to lose people. Like Every pastor I talk to is like, what is going on? So how do you preach another sermon? How do you wake up another? How do you not quit? Because Christ was raised. That's all I got. I have nothing else. All I have is the divine proof that he actually came up out the grave, that he actually conquered death, that I'm actually going to see each and every one of my loved ones who died believing in Christ again. It's the only way. You remove that, and I have nothing for you. I have nothing for you. When you come to me and you're asking for me to counsel and to pour into you and all these things, I have nothing else to offer you except for Christ. Many of you have been in counseling with me. What do we, we open up the Bible and we look at Christ. And I, and I tell you, every, if, he, if he overcame the grave, he can overcome your marital problems. He can overcome your financial problems. He can over, he, this is no pro- prosperity gospel. He actually can do it. So I, I, I place my faith in him and him alone because of the divine proof that he raised from the grave, that he conquered the grave. And so it had to happen this way, or else he's not the Messiah. Give me, uh, give me um, uh, Matthew 16 real quick, Brent. It says, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised up on the third day. If Jesus is telling that to his disciples and it doesn't happen, he's a false prophet. Remember, we said God's prophets don't miss. If Jesus missed, he's no longer Jesus the Messiah. Your Lord is weak. Your Savior is fake. Give me the next one. Give me the next one, John 2. Look at this. Jesus answered to the, the Pharisees. He said, hey, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Look at this. Keep going. He says, the Jews then said, it took 46 years to build the temple, the building, I will, and you will raise it up in three days. But what they didn't realize is he was speaking about his body. So Jesus himself said, if you killed me. I will raise it up again. And this is important. I, I got I to stop right here. Okay, I got to stop right here and give you this. So we're often taught that God, through the Spirit, raised Jesus from the grave, right? That's the normal teaching. And that's nothing wrong with that. That's true. God the Father, God the Spirit, raised Christ from the grave. But here's something we often miss. Um, Jesus raised Jesus from the grave. And, and if he didn't, then he's a liar because he said in 2.19, in 2.19, uh, John 2.19, he says, I will raise it up. You see that? So, so, so who raised Christ from the dead? God. 
Father, Son, Holy Spirit. See the Trinity in that? Who raised Christ from the dead? God. Yes, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. If Jesus didn't raise himself up from the grave, then he's a liar. But here, here's something even more significant. There were three resurrections before Jesus. So if the resurrection is the divine proof, then why can't Lazarus say, well, then I'm the Son of God. I was raised too. Why can't the cricket say, you know, I, I was raised too. I'm still over here chirping, right? There, there, was, there was one, um, there was a man, uh, a son of a widow, he was dead, Jesus raised him. There was Jairus' daughter, Jesus raised her. And then there was Lazarus, most of you know about Lazarus, Jesus raised him. Why can't they all say, well, we was, we was resurrected? What makes Jesus' resurrection different? He raised himself. He raised himself. So even in these other three resurrections, they didn't raise themselves. Jesus raised himself. And, and then, then he says, and I have given you that power. So why ain't we raising nothing? Huh? Why, why aren't we raising anything in our lives and in the lives of those around us? He gave you the power. You sitting on it. You literally are sitting on the power when you should be serving with the power. And I, I fear it's because many of us don't actually believe in the resurrection. Let me give you Romans 10 real quick, and then we're going to close this out. In Romans 10, 8, Paul says, but what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching. What is that word? Next. This is what it is. This is the message. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord. So look at this. Confess is homo legeo, same language. All right? If you say the same thing that God says about Jesus, that Jesus is God, is Lord, that's Lord, Kyrios, and Tetragrammaton. So if you say that Jesus is God, okay? So you say the same thing God says about Jesus. Jesus is God. Jesus is Lord. Okay. A lot of us got that part down. A lot of us in here who are Christians were like, yes, I believe Jesus is God. I believe Jesus is Lord. I believe he's the Messiah. But look at this part. And, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. We missed that. A lot of people have been trained and know the language to say Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. But deep down in their hearts, they don't believe in the resurrection, and it shows in their life. You live a life that looks like you don't believe in the resurrection. You really don't know if there's going to be a judgment day, and if all, not just believers, but everybody will be resurrected and stand before God. And if you really believe that Jesus conquered death, what, what are you afraid of? Paul, Paul says, oh, death, where's your victory? Where's your sting? And that's death. So, oh, people and faces and, and mean stares, where's your victory? Right? Oh, workplace that might fire me. Where is your victory? You see what I'm saying? Oh, neighbor, that if I knock on your door and just get to know you and you slam the door, where's your victory? Be because I'm that worried about your soul. I'm that worried about your eternity. So as we get ready to have the worship team come up, I want you to focus on these challenges right here because we're, we're closing the series right here. Our rock response number one, ask yourself, and really do this this week, do I really believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Like, just, just be real. And, and please, the heart can be, don't, don't, don't front. Like, there's nothing to be, in, we're dealing with eternal life. I, don't be embarrassed to call somebody, call me. And say, I, you know what, Rashad? I don't believe that Jesus is really, I just really don't believe it. I don't know what to tell you. Like, I've been going to church all my life, and I just, I can't comprehend that he actually was raised, risen from the grave. Okay, let's talk about it now. That's my responsibility. That's Jason's responsibility. That's the leader's responsibility. 
But you need to ask that question now because if you remove the resurrection, you remove, you remove everything. And then point number two, look at this. Rock response number two. If I believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, what behavior does my belief birth? If I really believe that Christ was raised from the dead, what does that change about my behavior and, and my walk on this earth? So something has to change if you really believe it. I'm tired of the finicky, fake Christians who are making a whole bunch of proclamations, but nothing's changing in their life because they don't really believe. I get that it's progression and direction. I, I get that, and that it can be slow. I get all of that. We give more grace than anybody I know, but at some point, I'm going to look at you and I'm going to check you. And I'm going to say, look, sis, look, bro, you've been using this excuse for the last three years of your life. Nothing has changed. Do you really believe that when you pass, you will be resurrected? Do you believe Christ actually conquered the grave? It should change something in your, in your life significantly. It's because of Christ conquering the grave that I went from the alcoholic, from the addicted to porn, cheating on my wife, the things I thought I, I would never be able to conquer is when I heard the message of the cross that I realized I could overcome that because he will overcome it. I never did anything. He did everything. And he offers that freely to you this morning, believer and non-believer. Not just those that don't know him that we're asking you to believe in him as Jesus, Lord and Savior, resurrected from the grave, but to the believers who aren't living it, we're asking you to lay your life down now and just be a willing vessel for him to use with his dunamis power. Amen? Let's stand up and sing.
service a little bit, but Brent, um, back in the back, did you, you, you're the leader of our sound and audio ministry. Did you ever see this two years ago coming? No. Kaylee, you're doing the audio. Do you know anything about mixer boards or anything? You're just, just willing, right? Just willing. Dave, um, you know what I mean, man? Um, yeah. Your story, bro. Like, did you ever see yourself here? Um, barbershop open for Christ, you know, Charles, man, um, leading men out the state on mission to bring something back here at a church that's been a struggle, you know what I mean, like, you have all the proof you need, there's, I, I don't believe there's one leader here in this church that actually thought that they would be leading anybody to Christ or for Christ. And if you don't want to talk to the leaders, then just talk to the people. Jessica, were you here? Did you see yourself here this year? Is this where you thought you'd end up? You know what I'm saying? Like, like Dave, you're a deacon of prayer. You said other places wouldn't even let you speak. You're the deacon of prayer here. Like, the, the brokenness that God is using is all around you. If you need proof of, of the power of God working, to those who are just willing to give themselves away, just look at your neighbor and speak. We're all going through it. We're, we're all there. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for the resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ, the centrality of the gospel itself. Father, I'm asking that, that hearts are actually touched and transformed. I'm asking that this is not just a, an emotional message, Father, that, that just makes us feel some type of way for a couple of hours, but I'm, I'm asking that this is a spiritually transforming message and experience. The, the worship, the, the praying, the offering, the message, all of it is an experience that actually moves people out these doors to actually live willingly as a vessel, an empty vessel for you to place your dynamic dunamis power inside of. And Father, as we surrender to you, as we open ourselves up, may you raise up the many dead situations in this community, the many dead situations in this church, the many dead situations in the marriages and the, the kids and, and the youth. Father, may you through us, Father, be the power that raises all of those dead situations to life. We know you're able. The question is, are we willing? I pray that we are. I pray that you move us to be willing. May they see all of you and none of me. It's in Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen. You guys have a blessed week. Please allow this message to move you. This podcast is a ministry of Church on the Rock, building his body, breaking our barriers. If you would like to learn more, please visit our website at www.churchontherockbb.com.